0: Hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Advertising, the show where we ask, if the world were our client, what would the brief be? In each episode, we look to tackle some of society's biggest challenges, with the same creativity and strategic rigour that Adland uses to tackle a client brief. I'm Amy Williams, I'm joined today by my fabulous co-host, Dino myers lampty and our special guest this week is the one and only Matt Box. Matt is a hilarious creative strategist, a pretty serious comedian, and a rather sleep-deprived new dad, so I'm excited to see what ideas we come up with today. Welcome to the show, Matt.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's incredible. Oh,
0: thanks for coming. Such an
1: accurate description, other than kind of a good comedian. Uh, But uh, yeah, tired dad is definitely a new one for me.
0: Oh man, I bet. Well, congratulations. Hopefully this can... uh... Take your mind off it for a few a few precious moments. This week, we're going to talk about getting people with criminal records into employment. Um, it could be quite a divisive topic, especially in a political context where politicians are terrified of being seen to be offender-centric and to put offenders above victims. Victims, of course, are a top priority. The, the reality is, though, that prisons are populated by very vulnerable people. A quarter of the UK adult prison population also went through the foster care system. According to the Prison Reform Trust, 57% of women in prison report having been victims of domestic violence. By all accounts, this is a vulnerable group. They're people in our society who we would otherwise want to protect. And to be honest, before researching for this episode, I had no idea the extent to which the cards are stacked against them. Employment is obviously pretty frowned upon whilst you're in prison, but you also can't apply for unemployment benefits or universal credit. And once you do leave and finally apply, it takes six weeks to process, during which time prisoners receive a pricely discharge grant of £46. It has been £46 since 1995. I have no idea how anyone is supposed to survive for six weeks with enough money to buy 3.8 copies of the debut Spice Girls album, Spice. So, you're released into poverty and in many cases homelessness, having been failed by so many systems. And the light at the end of this rather depressing tunnel is is that according to the Ministry of Justice, former prisoners are 9% less likely to offend if they are in work. Employment is both financially and emotionally empowering, right? It gives you purpose, status, earning power, routine, responsibility, and it gives you a role in society uh, and a sense of personal purpose. Right now, in spite of a national skills shortage, only 17% of ex offenders are in jobs a year after release, and a third of people claiming job seekers' allowance in the UK have a criminal record. So, today we ask how can we, the advertising industry, influence employers to give a second chance to those who have served their time and want to make a fresh start? Dino, what are you thinking?
2: Amy, quite frankly, I'm still thinking £46 for 3.8 Spice Girls albums. I mean, that is, if if, if going to prison wasn't bad enough, coming out with uh, that <laughs> in your mind is, is, is even worse than that. Well, I mean, actually, you know, on a serious note, I think it's, um, in doing a little bit of research behind this, it was quite kind of alarming and quite shocking, really, just how little opportunity and chance, you know, people have. But I think the thing that surprised me probably most was, just um, how many people go into prison and and actually some of the offences are, are, are really, you know, they're non-serious offences. Um, so, you know, the majority of people that go to prison are non-violent offences. Uh,
0: 67% call, in fact.
2: Yeah, and you could call them mistakes, I guess, In sometimes you know, in terms of, you know, mistakes in life for which, you know, the cost of it affects the whole of your, the rest of your life um, in terms mm. of you know, employment is the foundation of life, isn't it? You've got to get money to do things and to improve your life and to, you know, repent in some some way or form. And I think that uh, it's no surprise that actually the highest proportion of re-offenders who leave prison are the ones that have only done 12 months. You know, the, the least amount of time leads to the most amount of reoffense. So there is a bit of a case of, you know, are we putting too many people in prison for the, for, for the wrong reasons or for, you know, is there a better form of uh, rehabilitation or or correction, let's say. And I think the UK, England, and Scotland have disproportionately large amounts of prison popular people they send to prison for offences compared to the rest of Europe. So I think that we've got to uh, start to think about prison as a, an institution for rehabilitation and correction and, and actually if it's the right thing in itself anyway. But I also think part of this brief is, is in terms of employment, you know, what, what occurs to me is is the time that's spent in prison is probably good time that could be used to train people up for to be better at jobs than a lot of the people that haven't been to prison as such. And, uh, and I think that that's probably what it needs to focus on a little bit more.
0: Matt, what are you thinking?
2: So I think
1: the whole kind of thing that kept going through my head thinking about this is that almost just on an economic standpoint, we spend so much money catching criminals, putting them through the system them in prison and it's expensive to have people in prison and then when they come out we kind of the phrase repaying a debt to society gets used quite a lot and one of the best ways to do that is to have a job to pay your tax to Mm. not re-offend but at that kind of that stage where they should be kind of getting back into employment we make it kind of as hard as possible so it feels like there's actually a kind of deeper kind of societal reason as well as kind of uh, the prison disproportionately affects kind of quite marginalized groups and you know as you're saying people in foster care care systems um a lot of ex-soldiers as well end up in prison and that's something that kind of people are very passionate about it's kind of a group and kind of looking after soldiers but we we kind of make it so hard to repay that debt to society so that's the kind of main kind of economic problem which is quite hard to kind of get through you have to kind of talk about the expense of everything and then also kind of but I think you'll always come up against this, uh, this stigma that's kind of, well, you know, they've mm-hmm. kind of made their own bed. They shouldn't have committed a crime. Um, and I think maybe there is something in kind of helping people realise how easy it is to slip into those kind of situations where you end up making mistakes. And kind of that's a lot easier when you've kind of grown up in maybe a harder situation than other people.
2: I came across a case as well of um, a young uh, guy who um, went to prison. Um, his life changed you know, so dramatically because he went into prison for um, uh, a car incident. I think he, he swerved into the road and head-on collision with, with, with another car. And you know he came out in a coma in critical condition. But then when he woke up, he was essentially arrested for reckless driving. And, uh, and then he went to prison. I think he served 10 months of a four-year sentence. And came out and was completely unemployable. Uh, and that was until very recently when I think Timpsons, uh, he applied to Timpsons, who are a great brand with a track record of employing ex-prisoners and ex-cons. And his life's been turned around quite a lot because, you know, he's, it was announced that, you know, he, he's been promoted and he's going to be running his own Timpsons. But um, before that, he was a graduate. And the irony of it was, I think he was working as a, a prisoner officer trainee or something, I think, which was quite weird and ironic. But he, um, it just occurred in reading his case in his article, how quickly it can happen and how quickly a life can be, you know, kind of turned around from hope and promise to complete despair. And the really kind of like striking thing about that was that the crime that he committed, you know, it was a mistake. It was an error. You know, he said that his head wasn't in the right kind of mental space at the time. And there needed to be some kind of, you know, retribution for it, I guess. But um, ultimately, he was still the same kind of person, had the same kind of like intelligence and qualification, let's say, before, you know, he was a graduate, mm. before he got himself into that mess. And yet he didn't, he had very little chance. I think he applied to over 100 jobs after that, got rejected from all of them. And, it, and what occurs to me is that I think when people come out of prison, it seems like we we label them as, you know, kind of ex-cons kind of cons or prisoners and don't necessarily ask the question about, okay, well, what was the crime? What was the, you know, what's happened? You know, what? who are they now you know, from what, who they were before? And I think that that's probably a little part of this, is there's almost this kind of re-education as to, yeah, people make mistakes. Some mistakes are probably graver than others and carry a harsher punishment. Actually, there's lots of people living in the world who just haven't been caught, you know, have made similar mistakes but just haven't been caught. The most important thing is, is just the... Um, the realisation of, of, of that it was wrong and the fact that, you know, life's got to move on, but in a better kind of path and direction. And I'm not sure that um, the system currently really encourages people to ask the right questions. I think we just put them all in the same kind of bucket. And uh, and that just makes sends the fear around everyone else that haven't been to prison, that, oh, oh my God, you're working with someone from who's been to prison. And it's like, well, you know, you actually, you're probably quite surprised about how many people probably have or should have been to prison had they been caught for doing the things that prison should catch people for or or is the current system designed to catch people for?
0: I love that part of your argument here is I'm no worse than ever, people. I just am the only one that
1: got caught. (laughs) (laughs) I do think there's something in that, in that quite often, and it comes up in discussions about more lenient kind of drug offences, where people say, well, you know, they they knew the law, they broke the law, therefore they deserve kind of punishment. And I think the amount of people that speed you know, it's seen as a very casual law breaking, and kind of if you counted with, like, well, do you ever speed? And like, well, of course, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not slow or I'm not like an idiot, of course. Okay, you know, speed, but I do it safely or whatever but the kind of reasoning people give themselves. Still breaking the law, and there's lots of laws that people do think are acceptable to break, and they probably are linked to kind of how likely you are to go to prison or whether you do a speed awareness course, you know. But I think it's a really good point and a really good. Those kind of stories, like the young man you are talking about that got a job at Timson's, I think are really good at um, making people reassess the kind of the situation. And, and it almost feels like there's a, a political correctness angle on it of kind of ex-con scenes, like an un-PC way, piece of language, really, that there's maybe even kind of we need to create a soft con or some kind of like yeah. a word that's kind of like a non-violent kind of previous mistake, that kind of like a way of encapsulating Maybe it would be the name of that kind of story of the person that you're talking about. It's kind of highlighting a new name, codifying this kind of employable con.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that too. We don't have any language that implies forgiveness and um, a chance to rehabilitate. It's all focused on their past mistake.
2: Yeah, maybe like, you know, going to prison for a certain term of time is it a little bit like going to back to school and you leave with grades, potentially. Let's just say, I mean, what if you incentivize, you know, kind of like good behavior, good participation, good kind of like, you know, uh, rehabilitation. So, you know, you come out with your, your A stars or your, you know, your Bs, that kind of thing, because, you know, it seems that unless you commit, a, you know, a, a serious violent crime where you've got, you know, multiple kind of years, if you, if, if you come out at all, it seems like most crimes, you know, people come, people have an opportunity to shorten the sentence and come out earlier based upon good behavior. But you've got from the outsider, you've got no real context about, well, what were they really like in prison? You know, were they the one that was like, you know, had really understood that actually they're going to just work hard, get out and you know, carry on their life? Or, or were they the one that was just playing the system and playing the game and whatever and, and hadn't really learned? And I guess you've got to have a bit of an idea of that, you know, on the way out. And at the moment, I don't think there really is that. We just put them all in the same in the same bucket.
0: I guess mm. if you were looking to employ anyone, you would check their references and check their track record. Uh, but when you're looking into someone with a criminal record, you, you can't understand that element of it. You can't understand how they bettered themselves, how they learned and improved their skills during their time. You can just see you know, what class of criminal offense they committed and, and when they were released.
2: Mm.
0: The information available to an employer is actually very little.
2: I think the fact that they're released, though, um, should say to you that they have passed the requirements to be let back out and they are safe to work, they are safe for society.
0: So this actually brings us on to the Timpsons, because I think it is worth just speaking about them a little bit. They are such a good example of a company that employs ex-offenders. And I listened to a few interviews with the founder well, the son of the founder. is a family business. And the main thing that came across to me listening to him talk about the approach they have is they don't look at CVs. They literally, all they ask for when you apply for a job at Timpson's is your name and your phone number. And then everyone gets an interview. And in the interview, they have like a Mr. Men process. They have a Mr. Happy, a Mr. Sad, a Mr. Fun, a Mr. Adventurous, and they score you purely on personality. That is the only thing they look at. And they look for nines or tens out of 10 on personality based on these Mr. Men characteristics. They don't want people that are lazy. They don't want people that are grumpy. They want people that are energetic, that are going to make their customers feel joyful in the store. Because you can train people how to repair shoes, but you can't change someone's personality. And I just think there's so much to be learned from that. that. That trust and that optimism and a genuine second chance that isn't based on any of your previous history. It's based on who you are as a person. I think that's really amazing.
2: I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think that I love the Mr. Men approach to things as well, because I think that's what we were talking about in terms of, you know, you need some form of assessment to know that the people that you're hiring are up for it, are up for work, but they're reliable and they've got the right kind of attitude, you know, opposed to kind of like, you know, qualifications, let's say. It's that the fact that they are going forward with life saying, right, I've got to, you know, bring things and get things back on track. And, uh, and actually, you know, if they have got that kind of attitude, they'll probably work harder and longer for you than, than the average person who hasn't been through that, you know, same experience. And I like the Mr. Men approach because it, um, it kind of like uh, just uh, humanizes it in a fun way and, you know, makes it kind of like more lighthearted rather than looking at them as kind of serious offenders, which I think is, is the stigma that, you know, we're constantly trying to, to shake. The uh, the other example, which um, is worth mentioning, you know, Timsons is the, is a UK example that a leading a leading light in the space, but also um, Grayston Bakery in America, I think, are a good brand to reference as well. So for most oh, yeah. people, they'll they'll uh, they'll experience Grayston Bakery through Ben and Jerry's cookie flavored ice cream, the brownie, the brownie flavor, I think it is. Uh, so they provide the brownies that go into the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, as well as lots of other things. But they have a similar approach to you know, employing ex-cons or prisoners in terms of you know no questions asked approach really. You know, right. if, if you they, they they operate some kind of um, like it like it almost like um, an experienced day I think where you know they they have rounds where you know you can turn up and give it a go, and if you if you stick with it because I think it's quite a hard shift, then you know you you turn up the next day you've got the job basically. You know they they announce how many positions they've got and how many people they need and then they put a certain amount through, but they actively encourage x cons to apply because I love the fact that in their purpose they talk about how they don't employ people to bake you know cookies and do bakery but they they bake um to employ people which I think is nice
0: that is fantastic I love that
2: very
0: nice okay so Matt you're the creative strategist in the room how are you thinking about this brief where should we focus it
1: uh, that's a very good question it's good in general to kind of summarize some of the points we've made so far it's just that I guess there's a disconnect between kind of what people realize the situation of being a prisoner is so that I think people don't really realize how much it affects people and um, how easy it is to end up in that kind of situation and um, yeah. your life to be flipped upside down like that and kind of the the different groups that it affects I guess the main people we need to I guess there's a wider kind of stigma job to be done of kind of how do we reframe uh, having been to prison um, and I quite like some of Dino's you know, suggestions of like you should have some kind of um, qualification or some kind of there should be something on your like CV worthy to come out yeah. at the end which is some kind of like review of your character um, and I guess our job to be done really is the how do we create more Timpsons how do we create more companies that put within their you know they, a lot of companies are talking about purpose, a lot of companies talk about how important their people are in employment, how do we get more companies um, to have that kind of approach, a bit more of an open hiring approach, but then you kind of want them to talk about it as well. I think that's something that people are quite often surprised when they find out that Simpsons are a really good employer of uh, convicts, even though it's quite well known among kind of maybe marketing circles or kind of people that know a bit more about business. But I think general public might not know as much. Um, yeah,
0: it's almost making it something to be proud of. You know, like there's so much conversation around diversity and inclusion and being a diverse and inclusive employer that is you know, top of the agenda for huge companies. And yet this element of diversity and inclusion isn't something that's typically talked about and it isn't something that people shout about and are proud of, but it should be because you're giving people a second chance. It's kind it's using your platform to create opportunity for others. It, it's a really amazing thing to be to be proud of.
1: Yeah, so I think we kind of, I guess it's employers, people that employ people, the people we're targeting. Mm-hmm. um It's almost a B two B kind of play, but then doing it in quite a public way. It's like actually there is this wider societal benefit. It just feels that like otherwise there's kind of untouchable class of people that have, that've have been to prison that then can't find kind of decent work, and quite often those you know they will, they'll end up being parents and they'll raise kids that they kind of can't help get into the workforce and there's this, this kind of big gap of inequality that don't kind of bridge unless you kind of you get better at employing these people. Uh, so yeah I think that how do we create more Simpsons feels like a good kind of direction for us of getting employers to have kind of more diverse kind of uh, hiring approach uh, for ex-convicts but then also communicating that effectively because then you almost create uh, lots of companies that are then going to spread that message further um because so if they're all kind of changing the way they approach hiring then they're all telling people about the way that they're changing their approach to hiring and that kind of spreads that message on and on and on
2: yeah i was going to say that i think that um empathy and humanizing is a key part of this uh one of the things that um you know kind of like occurs to me is when you um you know watch uh you know lock stock and two smoking barrels or you know hollywood films and depictions of kind of criminals you always have this kind of like warm spot for the baddies you know when they when they, when it's done well and you're a bit like oh yeah you know and every now and then a baddie turns his life around doesn't he and becomes a bit of a goodie. you know that kind of common plot line and you know when you look at it like that you're like yeah yeah i'll employ that person if they came along and you know and, and wanted a job and uh and in the same way that um you know, when you see these these documentaries on like Sky and whatever, and it's like, oh, you know, Britain's kind of worse criminals or something. They're always talking and interviewing someone who was an ex-con or, you know, was part of the gang. And, and it's talking about it in a we used to be really bad sense, but now we're, you know, as in times have changed or they've, they've repented in some kind of way. They've done their time. And at no point are you watching that thinking this person's unemployable. You're thinking this person's gone through it. You know, they've, they've been through it. They've, they've, they've realized that the error of the ways and the way they were living. And I think that's all part of the kind of the humanizing of the, of the, you know, the, the, the criminal as such, um, you know, and the, the re kind of like framing and renaming of, of what they kind of are and allowing them to live another life and to restart. And I think that's an important kind of part of this in a sense, in terms of humanizing the people that come out in some way or form. It's a bit like, you know, if, if, if yeah. your neighbor or your, you know, someone, you know, has been through that, then I think you think, think about it completely differently. So uh, so definitely, if we're, if we're involved in kind of HR and, and all the rest of it, I think it's about how do we you know, bring the empathy and, and humanise it so they get, they get closer yep. to people who've had that experience.
0: Storytelling. All right, it feels like we've got a really solid brief here. I love the idea of creating more Timpsons, creating more humanity, more empathy for the stories um, behind these numbers and, and these quite alienating words. So yeah, it feels like a very B2B brief focusing on HR departments within companies, how we can champion the people that are giving these, these individuals a second chance, and how we can create a, education and awareness to encourage more people to do it. All right, so with that in mind, let's crack on to the response to brief section. We're going to start with, if we had no money at all, um, just think about how we can be, you know, how we can hustle, how we can be creative, and how we can get something off the ground. Um I can actually kick off if that's cool. Okay, Because
1: cool.
0: so I've been thinking about this one a little bit just while we've been talking and there's a, a campaign I came across in my research for this episode called Ban the Box. Uh it's a an initiative launched by Business in the Community. Um it was launched in 2013. And today there are 150 employers who have signed up and essentially it's about banning the tick box on an application form that says, have you committed a criminal offence, yes or no? It isn't actually a legal requirement to ask about a criminal record for most jobs. There are a few professions where you do need to know, but for most jobs you don't need to ask, but employers tend to. So ban the box is about taking that off the application form and at least not asking until after interview to give a fair chance to everyone and to unearth skills, abilities and personality before getting embroiled in the history of an individual. So I love that idea. And I also was super inspired by what you were saying earlier, Matt, about reframing the language here and creating something that people can be proud of. So I was thinking, what if we took those 150 employers who have already signed up to ban the box, and they're big employers, right? It's like Accenture, Boots, Co-op, Lloyd's Bank, Carpet Right. Like there's some, there's some, you know, some big names. And um, we take all of them, and we 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 reframe the language, and we call them second chance employers, and we give them that stamp. That that badge that says they are second chance employers. They have signed up to ban the box. They've taken these steps, and they are proud of that movement. I've recently moved to Surrey, um, so I'm now a commuter wanker, and so I've been looking at all the ads on commuter trains, and they're, they're empty. There's so many ads on commuter trains about ads on commuter trains because the space is empty. So. Take all that empty space, give it for free to the companies that sign up to Ban the Box and offer them a campaign that champions their brand, champions their business and says that they are proud to be a second chance employer.
1: Amazing, I love it. Very good. I love the reframing of second chance employers. I think that's uh, really good. I love tapping into an existing network of Ban the Box uh, companies uh, and I love the reuse of kind of dead uh, commuter space, which I think is probably partly pandemic related as well Mm -hmm. but I can definitely see there's so much space for if you think of the the buildings of those kind of employees if you're looking at kind of co-ops if you're looking at you know they all have kind of community boards that have kind of local Mm. good news stories you know money given to football teams all of the kind of the space within these stores that kind of a lot of uh, people will end up seeing
2: very good um, I, I guess I'm, you know that's a great kind of idea and I'll build on it a little bit in terms of you know with the second chance in employers because you know you need um, a, a bunch of companies that are already sold in to the benefits to, to really kind of like lead by example so I think using them what I think is potentially missing here is we need to get the HR and the the, the people in employment slightly closer and to humanize this kind of empathy point the the whole kind of prison population and the prisoner one way that um stealing a bit of an idea from speakers for schools which is a program that encourages you know people in work and businesses to go into schools and speak to students i think we should have speakers for prisons so you know we should be encouraging people to go and talk to prisoners about careers about getting into employment about things that are oh, available to them yeah and i think one of the things that speakers for schools does really well is it it makes it almost competitive from a business sense in terms of it attracts how many hours employees are, are dedicating towards talking in local schools and it makes it really kind of like mathematical and easy, but it almost kind of like league table ify it. So people can see their contribution and what it's really kind of like, you know, giving back in that sense. So I think that if you if you get these companies, these um the the ones that are willing, you know, the second chance companies to sign up to it and to lead by example and start to encourage their staff to spend time in local, local prisons, you know, everyone should do at least one, shouldn't you? You know, I mean, you know, at least once in your life, you should probably go into a prison and do it. You know, if you can, if you've got the opportunity, go and talk about something inspirational to them, which hopefully will be about the world of work and what you do and, and how, you know, potentially there are opportunities for people that come outside uh, looking to do something similar. And I think that just makes it probably a little bit real. You know, if you get in that environment, you talk to them, You'll probably you know take away that kind of fear and that kind of stigma that you've also kind of got the baggage that's already there so I think that would be my yeah. idea for free
0: yeah I love that that's so good I feel I would feel so much more comfortable and confident having a relationship with ex-offenders if I had had personal experience of it it feels like this very distant thing to me and I just I would be nervous about saying the wrong thing you know or or not understanding their perspective, and I would just be so nervous and so um shy about getting involved, it is a huge barrier. So, just having that experience, like you say, everyone should go in once. I love that. Mm. I would sign up.
1: Mm. Yeah, I really like that. I used to work with a, a really lovely ethnographer called Paul Eden, uh, but he ran a book club in a prison, uh, and Penguin provided all the books for free, uh, which is a really nice thing that they do that they probably don't talk about. Uh, and he, he told me an anecdote of kind of reading the big short while in prison with Mm-mm. these kind of prisoners and then kind of half the group being kind of, oh, it's all the banker's fault why we're all in this situation. And the, <laughs> a couple of the kind of members of the book group being like, well, that was us. That's why we're in prison, um, <laughs> which is quite amazing. Um, but also on the personal story, um, well, I've got an uncle that's just got out of prison during a lockdown, uh, which is fun for him. Uh, he's kind of a drunk driver. Uh, Caused an accident, ended up in prison, and so like he's really struggled to kind of get work since. And I think it is when when you see people as a homogenised group, it's really easy to kind of discount them or kind of not really think of them as individual people. But when it's kind of part of your family or someone that you know, then you kind of go that they're not really a a bad person.
0: Mm.
1: Um, And I think that is the kind of making a homogenised group into kind of an individual. I think can be quite helpful.
0: So we're all just going to come around and have dinner with your uncle?
1: Yeah, yeah. Meet Paul.
0: <laughs> come and meet Paul.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have I got to come up with a good free idea now?
0: If you've got one, hit us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it all depends on kind of what you consider free, I guess. But I just think, and this probably isn't free in any way, you almost want kind of someone who do, does have a, a kind of convict story to kind of come out and talk about it a bit more someone that's potentially in the public eye or kind of a musician or someone that kind of outside of these kind of like I was drunk driving from an awards do, you know, you want kind of that a bit more kind of grassroots, which I imagine would come from kind of a music background maybe, or something a bit more kind of where someone hasn't had kind of a movie star background maybe. But you want them to talk about it kind of publicly, go on kind of this morning and kind of be a bit more public. And I appreciate that's probably not really counted as Free, But I feel like those are the kind of the little stories that people tell between themselves, even though it probably does involve quite a decent kind of PR team and people kind of hassling the this morning uh, editorial stuff. Um, <laughs> then outside of that is, I think, just kind of maybe signage or like a badge. If you, if we are creating this second chance employer, what is that kind of badge that they can stick on their job adverts, their kind of their windows, their kind of how can we kind of create a bit of a, a brand around these second chance employers? Mm-hmm. Um, and cre- create kind of a literal, literal uh, stamp of approval.
0: Yeah, I like that, like a fair trade stamp. Yeah, yeah, that's nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess it's helping encourage that network, so getting like Timpsons to then tell other employers, kind of these are the this is the Mister Ben system, and kind of this is how you implement it, because those are the kind of quite practical, kind of boring parts of it. My boss actually, um, Johnny McCallum he was telling me about Simpsons, which is why I know that they kind of hire ex-cons because his dad used to play golf with the founder, I think, or kind of one of the family. And then he was telling me that, so this is like a friend of a friend of a friend's story, really, so you never really know how kind of true it is. But uh, that they found out that a few of their kind of staff were kind of uh, taking money from the till. And so rather than kind of reprimand everyone or kind of hunt them down and kind of, make it a bit of a witch hunt uh, they just released information on like these are all the different ways that you'd scam the company if you wanted almost like a how-to guide uh-huh. but that completely stopped everything because they kind of people realized that whatever it was you were doing they knew what you were doing uh-huh. and they were on to you mm-hmm. and I think that's just a really interesting way of kind of approaching your employees especially if you kind of know they might have a certain background but it's kind of treating them with a bit more respect than kind of this is a witch hunt or kind of we know you've taken a bit too long on a fag break, um, and I think those are the kind of educational jobs that kind of someone who already has experience uh, employing ex-cons kind of mm. gives to other people.
0: That's a wonderful story. Mm. That's so true. It comes back to what I was saying about the. It's just built. It's built on trust. That whole system, and um, mm. it's easy to say it. It's, it's much harder to do it. It's mm. easy to say that you'll trust ex-cons when you hire them, but then you put in place rigorous checks and balances. disempower them yeah i love that
2: yeah all
0: right so now we move on to the unlimited money idea this is where you can just really the sky is the limit just go crazy spend all of jeff bezos's money
2: i think that you know if, if money didn't matter then for me we need to um probably put more skills and programs in prisons themselves so you know you can actually get real confidence in the fact that you can almost pre-select the people to come and work for you and, and employ the people. So, you know, right now, I think, you know, if you, if you, if you get a job in prison, it's it tends to be some kind of like mundane kind of like, you know, dismantling this, you know, building up this kind of job, uh, repairing roads or something. But um, actually, what if we can get a program that we encourage some of these second chance employers to actually create actual kind of like training programs for prisoners? so they can actually learn the real skills that they're going to need to work in those companies after employment. So, you know, I don't know whether Timpsons does this, but actually, you know, rather than just employ them once they come out, you know, actually, is there a way of actually setting up some of the, the function of what they do to actually happen while they're actually in prison? So you can you can skill people up when they're in, in those places so they know what work looks like. They know what not just kind of mundane kind of factory work looks like. They actually can see uh, the possibilities of, you know, of, of using slightly more skilled kind of jobs and using their brain a little bit more, you know, rather than just kind of brute, kind of like, you know, physical labor type stuff. Uh, so I think that would be it. I think that I would, um, you know, encourage and set up a program for these second chance employers plus more to actually, you know, create training programs for for prisoners.
1: And I can really see that those brands as well as companies adding an extra level of kind of employability. So like to say that I've got a, you know, a Timpson's diploma in kind of mm. shoe repair post kind of coming out of prison, I think it just completely reframes that kind of what's this two-year gap in your your C V?
2: Yeah.
0: That's a lovely, that's a really nice reframing. And there's a there's a company that does this, it's a social enterprise. But there's a few actually, but one that stood out to me was Code 4000. It was founded by a guy called Michael Taylor. And the idea is to reduce reoffending rates by teaching prisoners how to code and preparing them for employment into the tech sector. To your point, Dino, you know, more cerebral training and work rather than purely manual labour. Um, they started in 2017. They're not huge yet, but um, none of their graduates have reoffended. 85% remain engaged in either employment, education or training so far. So it's early days, but that's a really lovely example of that more complex training that actually creates a huge amount of opportunity, frames it as a college
1: nice quite a wild card suggestion and, oh God. And, you know but i thought you know if anywhere you know expect, talk about it here my father-in-law is he stepped down recently but was a magistrate him and his kind of magistrate friends would kind of talk about quite often they see the same faces over and over again so people that are reoffending, uh committing the same crimes and he says there's kind of like a turning off point like sometimes it's someone ends up of reoffending for like their whole life and you just keep seeing the same face mm. over and over again and the, some people you kind of just stop seeing them and he said like the most common kind of reason that you kind of stop seeing them is that they find love they get a good woman or the, you know they have a wife and they kind of settle down and they have kids and that's the thing that turns their life around and I know that young kind of Premier League footballers actually encourage them to get married quite young and have kids quite early because it stops the partying lifestyle and it stops them kind of getting into trouble because uh, you know a young man with kind of lots of money uh, can be quite a dangerous thing mm-hmm. uh, so young and so I do think that maybe that the, the Bezos kind of idea is some kind of ex-con dating service in that kind of <laughs> get some of these guys hooked up and the, there is a kind of weird thing in kind of women writing to prisoners I think but also just like that I think that could be quite an effective way of kind of turning people's lives around.
2: I mean we didn't even talk about the the fact that. Um, Prison is disproportionately—it's a man's problem largely. You know, it's mm. what is it, ninety-eight percent or something or whatever else—a a male in imprisoned. So you know, that's the kind of the, you know a, a major point of this whole kind of answer in this brief. Actually, women tend not to get to prison almost by mistake. They end up in there, I guess, just the rarity you know in terms of the population split. So it is a male problem, and that whole idea of yeah bored, lonely males trying to make it up the ladder, I guess, probably leads to, you know, kind of crime. So yeah, I like I, I really like that. You know, maybe maybe there's kind of like an, a naked attraction version of the prison population. You know, the the, the <laughs> prison attraction on channel four. <laughs>
0: Married at first sentencing.
1: <laughs> well I do really like this um uh this TV approach as well because I was thinking kind of goggle box like what's the way that you can really humanize
0: yeah, yeah, yeah! Oh it's my like god, like this is literally my this is literally my idea. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that was like what, what I was thinking was like, how can we steal from reality TV? Because reality TV do such a good job of humanising groups of the population. Like, uh, you know, <sighs> Channel Four benefit street like vibes can be quite exploitative, but when it's done right and sensitively. It does give you this insight into a community that you otherwise wouldn't see and creates this very mainstream awareness of someone else's perspective. So I was thinking for like the million pound idea that we should parody reality TV shows like we could partner with Channel 4, say, and create a parody series of reality TV shows following prison leavers. You could have an actual show following Prison Leavers. I actually think that would be really interesting, looking at how they rebuild and reintegrate into society. But also, if you spoof other reality TV shows and create a campaign that's about, like, understand their reality, you know, whether it's like Married at First Sentencing or, like, I don't know, Jersey Shawshank, Come Do Time With Me. Like, you could have a kind of request silly campaign that takes, like, all these very, very iconic reality TV shows and does, like, a spin on it for... The life of an offender and an ex-offender, and the strap line and the sort of call to action is like understand their reality.
1: Mm, like it, nice. It reminds me of um, I don't know if you remember, but while we were at Ogilvy, Amy, uh, Rory Sutherland went to a Qatari prison for like 24 hours to refute <laughs> because he was vaping on a plane, and they. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! And so, like, when he came out of it, it all, I remember hearing him talk about it and some of the press around it uh, was that kind of I would you know after being in kind of a cell for 24 hours he would donate to any charity that kind of worked with prisoners because he had that kind of personal experience of it and it makes me think of you know undercover boss you know and yeah the the boss kind of has to go to the bottom rung of the kind of the business and kind of suddenly realizes that yeah maybe things aren't quite as rosy as they thought they it was And maybe that's kind of what we need. We kind of need big businesses to try and get employed with kind of like a fake criminal record, meet some prisoners on the way and kind of realise just how difficult it is to get a job and to kind of be on that bottom rung of the ladder as kind of a convict. And that's the kind of the way you'll get that real understanding change is to kind of go to the big bosses and kind of go, imagine if you hadn't had kind of this easy path to your kind of I'm sure you work quite hard, but uh, to, to getting, building your business, like what if you had an even harder start?
2: I love, I love the idea of like a life swap program, you know, which is a bit like, um you know, the sad, unfortunate story of your uncle, you know, drink driving. I mean, there's probably lots of people who, you know, have lived very similar lives, but then they'd make one wrong decision like that. Or maybe he did yeah. it a number of times, but he got caught, or made a mistake or whatever it was. But at some point the the, the, the fork in the road happens and it goes one way rather than the other way. And there's probably very similar people who have just been fortunate enough not to, you know, make that mistake. And almost like if you get people whose lives have almost been identical up until that point and get them to, to life swap in that instance to basically see how different it could be. Um, that's quite revealing, I think, uh, making it as close to their mm-hmm. reality as possible.
1: I love really bad puns. And so the first kind of bad pun that I kind of wrote was some kind of, you know, turning cons into pros.
2: Um, We're writing ads now. But...
0: Oh man, that, that is the strap line of Dino's idea, surely.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Turning um, cons <concept laughs> into Uh So there's
1: something, there is something you can see, it's kind of a nice life swap. I, I really like that idea. Mm,
0: me too.
1: I think people think that prison is like a holiday camp or something. There's that kind of perception as well. So I think kind of changing that everyone after a year of being kind of locked indoors I think Mm realises that actually the mental effects even if you can watch telly all the time and kind of have access to you know your own kind of garden it's still quite enough to drive you kind of stir crazy Mm -hmm. I always think of just the irony of like my uncle spending so long in prison to get out and then everything be locked down Mm -hmm. and like how annoying that must be Mm -hmm. kind of thinking about freedom and then suddenly you can't go in shops and you have to wear a mask and all these other kind of things that feel like slight restrictions.
0: Yeah, that's actually a great way to build empathy. This mm. shared experience is very uniting. Oh, man, that feels like a whole new brief. We're going to <laughs> we're gonna have to cancel all our meetings, guys. We've got a lot more to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, honestly, we're never going to have all the answers. This is such a huge and complex issue. But I I hope that over the last 40 minutes or so, we've we've raised a few more questions and inspired some new ideas. If you listening are enjoying chewing over this issue with us, then there are some really amazing initiatives that you can check out in this space. Uh, as I mentioned, Code Four Thousand, um, the Second Chance Studios based in New York that trains ex-cons in podcasting. Uh, at Bad Boys Bakery, baked in based in Brixton Prison, uh, that supply baked goods to Cafe Nero's near you. Uh, like a ton of amazing initiatives. Um, so yeah, let's give them. A little bit of space and champion them and and if you want to you can get involved in fact if you're a startup or you work in the startup world and you think you might be able to contribute to this this challenge the ministry of justice actually have a prison leavers innovation challenge live right now so they're offering SMEs up to £350,000 in grant funding if they can help with this exact topic. So, yeah, there's a couple of things to check out. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and share your own ideas or um, challenge some of the suggestions that we've put forward, then the LinkedIn profiles of myself, Dino and Matt will be in the show notes. So connect with us and, um, and yes, yeah, stay in touch. All that's left to do is thank Matt Box for joining us. And to thank you, thank you our listeners, for listening. Yes. See you next time.